This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Mike White, I, I watched him yesterday, and I get it. It's against backups for the Giants. Looked pretty good, and, you know, just I guess the, the lasting memory of the Cincinnati Bengals game last year just has me excited about what he can bring to the table versus watching Joe Flacco, who has last 16 starts, has lost 14 of them. So I can't understand that. But, I mean, it is what it is. Hopefully Zach comes back and he's healthy and we can be on to uh, brighter days. Giants, Kenny Galladay, <laughs> I mean, this was supposed to be your big signing. This was supposed to change the landscape of your offense. And so far, it has been a disaster, a disastrous contract. And, and Jordan Renan tweeted earlier that they're not going to cut Galladay his contract is not going to allow it because he's got $17.5 million guaranteed this year, $4.5 million next year. But it's clear based on usage Sunday plus his overall performance, they're not sure what they can get out of him this year. Crossing fingers, he can turn it on for the regular season. Anytime there's an on-off switch for anybody, don't love it, especially a guy who last year had zero touchdowns. He's got an injury history, had... Bad effort yesterday in that preseason game. I don't like the signs of, you know, a guy turning it on and turning it off. Adam Schefter earlier tweeted the Giants have gotten trade inquiries on Darius Slayton. Uh, That is one more name to watch in a busy week of moves. Speaking of the Jets and Giants, Bart and Han, excellent show. You guys should listen to uh, every single day from 12 to 3 p.m. Eastern right here on 98.7 ESPN. Produced... Uh, I thought what, what was a fascinating exchange between my two guys about the Jets and Giants. And here was Bart on what the ceiling can be for both our local teams. I think you guys are underselling like where they are. I think I think the Jets wins? and Giants, I think they can win eight to nine games apiece. Eight to nine apiece. Mm-hmm. What gives you that belief? I just look at the depth of talent, and I look at the coaches, and I know Dayball, listen, a lot of times in the regular season, it's everything is vanilla, right? But, you know, these guys, and, and, and Dayball as a play caller, and, and Wink Martindale as a defensive play caller, has the ability to devise a game plan that really gives teams and their philosophies difficulty. So then you say, okay, well, you know these guys can put their guys in position to compete. So then you have to say, but can they make plays if the other team has good players? I think Kadarius Tony, if he gets his head on right and, and stop trying to be a trap rapper, I think he can be arguably the next Tyreek Hill. I think he's just that talented. And then I believe boldly in what Elijah Moore is and even what I've seen Garrett Wilson in a short period of time. And I think I've said before that I believe that Brees Hall is going to be a dark horse for rookie of the year. Yeah, Kadarius Tony is not Tyreek Hill. And the Giants and Jets, I would love to see it happen because it would just provide some electricity uh, locally here to have two fun- not just functional football teams, but if you're hovering around eight or nine wins, it means you're in the playoff conversation, which is something we haven't had since 2016. The Giants were there after an 11-5 and season. Jets haven't been there since 2010. So if eight or nine wins is the ceiling for for these two teams, we're talking about the playoffs, I just don't see it happening. The Jets' schedule as follows. Baltimore, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh off the bat. Miami, Green Bay, Denver. New England, Buffalo. New England, Chicago, Minnesota, Buffalo, Detroit, Jacksonville, Seattle, Miami. I mean, if you are just 
a good team, you would say the quote-unquote easy games in this schedule are Chicago, Detroit. And that's if you're a good team. So Chicago, the Jets uh, host Week 12 at MetLife Stadium. And they are in, or they host Detroit for Week 15 at home. And then at Seattle. It's not a, an, a gimme game because you still have to travel to the West Coast. But, you know, Geno Smith, as your starting quarterback, isn't exactly inciting any fear. Um, so that, those are the three games that you, you just look at on the surface and say those are absolutely winnable games. Chicago and Detroit at home at Seattle. Everywhere else, I mean, you're going to be—are you going to be favored in any of these games? Baltimore, Cleveland, Cincinnati? No, you're not going to be favorites in any of those games. Pittsburgh? No. Miami, Green Bay, Green Bay, Denver, New England, Buffalo, New England, Minnesota, Jacksonville, who's going to be much better this year with uh, with Doug Peterson and and then Trevor Lawrence in year two. So you're, I, I, I just don't see it happening. By the way, we do have some breaking news coming in, which is very exciting if you're a Knicks fan. Adrian Wojnarowski tweets out, New York Knicks guard R.J. Barrett is finalizing a four-year rookie extension that could be worth up to $120 million. His agent, Bill Duffy of BDA Sports and WME Sports, told ESPN, complicating the franchise's off-season trade pursuit of Utah Jazz All-Star Donovan Mitchell. I would love to know how this is complicating that. Uh, he continues Barrett's extension, which makes him the youngest one hundred million player, one hundred million dollar player in Knicks history at twenty two, ends weeks of New York Utah trade talks on Mitchell and forces teams to start discussions over with significantly different deal parameters because of the poison pill provision. So, I would imagine. This is the loophole where you can't have two guys on rookie extension contracts on the same team. I'm, I'm waiting for Wolves to elaborate further on the uh, poison pill provision as I try to pull it up here. But from my first look at this, that's what it is. Having two guys on rookie extensions on, on the same team, I, I guess that's what's going to complicate this. Um, but that's what Wojnarowski puts out. The, the, the Knicks have finalized a four-year rookie extension that could be worth up to $120 million for R.J. Barrett. So if you're a Knicks fan, you have to be excited about this. You're locking up a guy that you're really high on. R.J. Barrett improved significantly this past season because there were real question marks coming into the year. Did the Knicks have an R.J. Barrett problem? Because he didn't look like a guy that was going to ascend to that level you wanted him to get to, where he was going to emerge as one of the best young players in the league. Now I still don't know if he'll ever get there. You know, uh, the likes of uh, you know Luca, Giannis, like those guys. But he did show a significant, significant improvement last year, and now he's being paid for his riches. Uh, but it does complicate the deal for Donovan Mitchell. 
which we're now learning. Ian Begley puts out the bonuses for R.J. Barrett's rookie extensions are tied to all-star selections, selections to the three all-NBA teams and NBA all-defensive teams. Sources tell us and why. Sources confirm Barrett's extension is four years worth up to $120 million. So good for R.J. Barrett getting that bag. Back to the phone lines we go. Mike in Queens wants to talk Jets. What's up, Mike? Good evening, Ty. How are you? What's up, Mike? How you doing? I'm doing great. Before I get to my point, I just, I'm doing something and I got a great idea. Next Tuesday, after Labor Day, 10 p.m., you will need a brand new show. Let's do it. But the watching the Jet game, I don't know why I watched it late yesterday. Joe Flacco, you want to bring him in, help him help uh, Zach Wilson watch film, the wide receivers watch film, make him be a, be a coach. So I get that. But he should not be playing a game. Okay, he should not be playing. You know, Mike White, he's not the answer. Okay, if Mike White has a, if they play Mike White, he has two, three good games. Zach Wilson comes out, poops out. Mike White's not the answer. He'll be a career backup. But I don't understand. Okay, we know what Joe Flacco is. His, his career is winding down. He's a coach at most to tutor, mentor, help him. Zach Wilson learn coverage, all that stuff, watch film. I don't know why they have to make him play. Okay, if he if that's a condition on him coming to you last year, then maybe then maybe you gotta go somewhere else. I just don't see why he has to play. And Zach Wilson, this is next year a big QB heavy draft class. I, I don't want to hear about Jimmy G. That's not the answer. Hell no. Zach Wilson, he, when, when, when he comes back, he has to play every snap, despite if, 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 if he does struggle, because you have to find out what he is. And I, this year, I, the offense, you have lots of playmakers. If he's going to, this is his best chance. Last year, I, you know, bad coaching, lack of weapons. But I, that's just a tough schedule. I, I don't see them winning eight games. I, I don't see it. I mean, if, if they could win six with that schedule, it, it'll be a miracle. But let Mike White play. Give the kid a chance. At least see what he could do. You need a backup. Maybe he's your career backup. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know about the career backup, but I would agree with you and appreciate the call, Mike. I just, I don't understand uh, sending Joe Flacco out there. He, he doesn't give you the best chance to win, and you've got to win games. This regime has forced itself into not just having to see improvement, but having to see some you know, some results follow that improvement. It's not just about guys getting better. You got to see some wins, man. At some point, like that has to enter the conversation, winning football games. You can't continue to pile on losing seasons after losing seasons and expect your fan base and your superiors to have confidence in you going forward. I mentioned at the top of the show, how are we entering the preseason? Uh, how are we entering in the regular season? The preseason power rank is at the Giants and Jets at 28th and 30th, respectively. All the losing they've done, and they still can't get any better? At some point, something's got to change. At some point, something's got to change. But we do got to react to the breaking news that just came in with uh, R.J. Barrett signing a four-year rookie extension worth up to $120 million. Still trying to understand how this is going to end weeks of New York and Utah trade talks on Mitchell. I guess like just by reading this, it would be 
you you can't trade RJ after you just signed a rookie extension until January. So if he were to be included in a Donovan Mitchell trade, that would halt it. But I just never got, I never got the idea that the Knicks were going to include him in this trade anyway. I never thought they were parting with R.J. Barrett in a Donovan Mitchell trade. And it's something that I wouldn't have done. And it's not that I feel like R.J.'s some untradeable asset for anybody. I just don't think that Donovan Mitchell, while he's a really good player, is good enough for you to part with R.J. Barrett, who has continued to ascend, and a player you really want to see unfold on, on your watch. This, this is a project you really want to see unfold on your watch. Because he he's shown significant improvement, he could be a, a a major piece on a team. I don't know if he's the best player on a championship team. I would actually say I don't think he can ever be the best player on a championship team. But can he become the second best player on a championship team? He's only twenty two years old, and he's got his flaws. I think he needs to go right more. He stepped it up a lot defensively last year, improved his jump shot. That has to continue to uh, become more of a consistent part of his game. You got to see him attacking the basket more, getting to the free throw line, improving his free throw percentage. But uh, R.J. Barrett, I mean, did everything you wanted last year. And a year where the Knicks struggled minorly, where Julius Randle was coming off of, of the highs of highs and fell flat on his face, R.J. Barrett was the guy who assumed the role as the best player on the team. And he gave you 26-3 and three last season. Shot 40% from the field, which is efficiency. You got to see come up 34% from three. Again, got to see that come up, cut down on the turnovers. But looking at the turnovers, that's not something you really overreact to just because he's a guy that as the usage continues to increase, he's going to be more prone to having the ball taken away from him. That's with every player with high usage rates. They're, they're, they're turnover prone. That's just what happens. Steven Westchester wants to talk. What's up, Steve? Steve. Yo, I have a question. Uh, they, they, I know the Yankees are up by eight games in the division, but Boone makes up the weirdest lineup cards. I mean, come on. You got Ben Benintendi batting behind Judge, and Judge has been walked twice already with men on base because of that reason. I yeah. mean, I wonder what? how much. I wonder how much Boone is making out the lineup. Yeah, but I'm tired of hearing that then. So tell me, Boone is just there to chew gum. <laughs> Not chew gum, but manage the personalities. I, I And I would gather he's making in-game decisions. Uh, look, I'm not saying that he is or isn't making out the lineup. I'm just wondering out loud how much of a factor he is when it comes to those decisions, uh, yeah, lineup decisions. Whoever is making them doesn't know what they're doing because, first of all, Benintendi is a lefty. you got a lefty pitcher on the mound. I mean, Jesus Christ, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know let me put some protection there. Now, Judge has been up twice with men on base. What do they do? They walk them because they know they're going to get Benintendi out. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, we're eight games up. I don't have to uh, start complaining about Boone. But my man, he's, he's really uh, making head-scratching moves over here lately. Uh, well, I appreciate the call, Steve. I uh, appreciate you weighing in. Here's the thing. When, you, when your team is in the, in the midst of a tough stretch, you're going to find things to complain about. Folks were never sold on Aaron Boone from the get-go, so this is just confirmation bias. Again, I don't know how much he's making out the line. I'm not going to kill him for where he's batting Benintendi tonight. Here's the thing. The offense needs to perform better. The pitchers 
you know, it needs to go out there and, and, and pitch well. That That's what it comes down to. In the end, when we get to October, they're going to be judged on how far they get if they come and, and get bounced in the championship series against the Astros. It's a failure, in my estimation. I know the Astros are better, but we've, we've been framed to think that this team was, was Aaron Boone and whatever couple Cashman pieces away from being championship contention. That's why they fired Girardi, and they haven't gotten back there since. So when it comes to how we measure the success of this Yankee team, and ultimately it, you know, it, it's going to really come down to championship or bust. And whether Boone is to blame for that or not, I, you just got to wait and see, man. I, I, I can't sit here and kill him uh, on August 29th when his team's got an eight-game division lead. And they're still well well on their way to being a, a, a big player in the playoffs. More reaction to the uh, R.J. Barrett news. He just signed an extension. Shohei Otani just hit a home run. So the Angels are now leading the Yankees 3-2. to two. Your phone calls 800-919-3776. Going until midnight. Ty D. Butler on Twitter and Instagram. And right here on 98.7 and ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. I, I want to briefly go back to what a caller just mentioned about, you know, him taking exception to Ben Intendi batting third in the Yankee lineup. And here's just how I look at it. So LeMay, he's leading off, and he's like the engine for the Yankees. We know they're a much different team when he's hitting. He's the leadoff guy. LeMay, uh, ben Intendi had been there and had been working, but LeMay, he's back at the top of the order. Judge, obviously the best hitter on the team. Ben Intendi at the number three spot. He hits for average. He's got the highest batting average on the team. He's hitting 300, the only 300 hitter on the team. So in theory, he is providing Judge protection because you don't want to walk. Now, they've intentionally walked Judge twice, and it hasn't worked out. But let's just, let's just rewind to where they were you know, mentally in the pregame and how they th- probably thought this thing through. And again, it hasn't worked out, but this is what I, I would imagine they were thinking. You can't give Judge free passes because Ben Intendi, who hits for average, gives you an opportunity to get on base, and now you have two guys on base ahead of Stanton, who's a power hitter. So Ben Intendi is there to provide protection for Judge. Now, again, it has not worked out tonight, but I'm not going to kill them for it because I think that on paper and in theory it works. Ben Intendi hits for average behind Judge. If Judge doesn't get a hold of one, he's, he's I believe he leads the American League in walks. Ben Intendi gets there. He's able to get him over with the hit, and now Stanton, Torres, and Rizzo have opportunities to drive those guys in. So I actually don't mind Ben Intendi batting third. What I do mind is Frankie Montas, since being traded here, has been a, a big disappointment. He's now giving up four runs tonight. And, and, you know, first it was, is it nerves? It was away from the team. We're, we're starting to see a trend here since he's come to the Yankees, and not a very good one. Not a very good one. Now, he won that game... This past week against the Mets, four to two, but even there, five and two thirds, six hits. He was in trouble every single inning. Got a got a got a you know very fortunate double play uh, that 
the Mets grounded into. And then a line drive shot hit right at, I believe it was either Donaldson or IKF in the field that halted another Met rally. So it was a game where he found some luck. But since coming here, I mean, that's been a, just a, a disappointment. This cannot be the guy who, who you're starting out there in game two uh, of a division series, of a championship series, uh, of a world series. Severino's got to come back. Frankie Montas cannot be your game two starter. Uh, but back to the news of the hour, it was announced that R.J. Barrett has signed a four-year rookie extension. Which, by the way, this is the first Nick to get a second contract since Charlie Ward did in 94. Wow. So you got to go back 28 years since the last time the Knicks doled out a second contract to a guy that they drafted. I mean, remarkable. And you got to give you got to give RJ credit for the the season he put together last year because the rookie season wasn't great year two a little bit of a disappointment and we're starting to wonder is he not 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 bust but is this a guy who is worthy of being drafted number three overall and then it seemed to have all come together last year for him and now he seems to be trending upward so Woj put out another tweet new york's leon rose set a monday night deadline with utah to reach an agreement on a trade for Mitchell, or the Knicks would commit to the Barrett extension, sources said. Knicks and Jazz closed a gap on deal points in recent days on a Mitchell trade, but neither would go further. Barrett's extension ends a remarkable 23-year drought for the Knicks. As I just mentioned, he's the franchise's first draft pick to agree to a multi-year contract extension after his rookie deal since Charlie Ward. I said 94, but it was actually 99 that that Charlie Ward deal happened. happened. So, I mean, good news for the Knicks. If you're a Knicks fan, you have to be excited about this because this is finally a guy that you drafted who you're able to develop and now into a second-year, multi-year contract. Into a second, multi-year contract. On his rookie extension, he proved that he was worthy of the money and now you're looking forward to him being the best player. I Look, for all the people who have the mindset that Julius Randle can come back and rebound and, and have a good season next year, I'm not high on that happening. What I know is that in order for the Knicks to get to the next era of their development, the next phase of, of this success plan, I think it has to start and end with R.J. Barrett, at least right now with the the pieces on this roster being your best player. Now, if you go out and trade for someone else, Donovan Mitchell is better than R.J. Barrett. So if you go out and get someone else, I'm cool with R.J. being the second guy. But as the roster is presently constructed, I think the offense needs to run through him. He needs to be the best player on this team. Brunson, you just brought in. Randu, you're expecting a, you know, hopefully you can get a, a bounce back season from him. But R.J. Barrett has to become a a perennial all-star. Number three pick overall. It's not too much to ask for him to go out there and be that guy. He's 22 years old. He still has a lot of room to improve in his game, but he's shown you he can do that. And I loved what I saw from R.J. last year. Where late in games, needing buckets, the ball was in his hands. He wanted the smoke. Because that's what we see from the young players in this league. Devin Booker, Ja Morant, Luke, like all these guys, they want the smoke. And I saw that from RJ last year. 
So credit to him. I don't know that this ends the pursuit of Donovan Mitchell. I just don't. I never thought the Knicks were going to include him in a trade for Donovan Mitchell. So maybe this is, you know, Leon Rose out there, you know, trying to flex his muscles and, and use this as a bit of leverage. Like that's it, RJ. He's got the extension off the table. Um, but I, I, just, I still think that Donovan Mitchell is going to end up being a New York Knick. I still believe that's going to happen. Nick fans, you excited about the news? Hit us up, 800-919-3776. 30 minutes left in the program. Ty D. Butler on Twitter and Instagram. And right here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. This just feels like a ploy uh, by, by the Knicks to get the Jazz, you know, to... to to succumb to whatever they're looking for in a deal. I, I don't think that R.J. Barrett was ever going to be a part of this trade for Donovan Mitchell. I still think it's on the table that he could end up being a Nick because if you're Danny Ainge, like, why would you trade for R.J. Barrett? You just offloaded Rudy Gobert for f- what ended up being five first-round picks. So you're clearly entering a rebuild situation. We have no evidence that Donovan Mitchell can be the best player on a championship team, let alone the best player and the only all-star on a championship team. That's a lot to ask. So you're entering a rebuild situation. You want to offload him. Everyone knows it. And I I think the Knicks have all the leverage here. You want eight first-round picks? You're not getting that. I think Quentin Grimes, Obi Toppin, Evan Fournier, like something along those lines, something along those lines, uh, any permutation that exists there, plus a couple of picks, gets the job done. I think the Knicks are going to end up with Donovan Mitchell. I, I, I still think it's going to happen, but he gets uh, R.J. Barrett gets the extension, so good, uh, good for him. If you want to weigh in on that, eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. I mentioned the the NFL player rankings came out today. And it was so baffling to me. So here's here's one through thirteen: Brady, Donald, Rogers, Cup, Taylor, T.J. Watt, Adams, Mahomes, Ramsey, Kelsey, Garrett, Henry, Allen. That's one through thirteen, uh, and this is voted on by the players. So the players voted on Tom Brady being the best player in the NFL, and Patrick Mahomes being eighth. On what planet? First of all, Brady's the goat. Nothing but respect for him. Glad he's not in the AFC East anymore. He's not the best quarterback in football. I don't know the best player in football. But what what it's more outrageous is how is Patrick Mahomes the eighth best player in the league? Like, and and it's so funny because the the new media, like Draymond Green, in this podcast, the new media, we we tell it from a different perspective. We give you the real. Uh, we give you the real behind-the-scenes look. We give you the real hardcore-hitting analysis. The players are voting on Mahomes being the eighth best in, in, in football behind Devontae Adams, T.J. Watt, Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup. Like, if, 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 if there's a better argument for Mahomes being number one, let alone eighth. And I love Cooper Cup. Was the Super Bowl MVP last year? That drive, that final drive, and the Super Bowl against the Bengals. I mean, that that's that's what you call greatness, right there. T.J. Watt, Defensive Player of the Year, one one of if not the best edge rusher in all of football. 
Devontae Adams. I'm excited to see him team up with Derek Carr going from Aaron Rodgers uh, to, to Las Vegas and helping take that Raiders offense to the next level. Aaron Donald, you know, you know, as far as defensive linemen, he's the best. But those guys ahead of uh, Patrick Mahomes, I'm sorry, it, it, I just, I just can't see it. it. It's just, it's crazy. And then Josh Allen being 13. The reason why I went to 13 was so we can get to Josh Allen. And I'm not even a big Josh Allen guy. I was someone who was very skeptical, and you know, feeling good about being right after his first season in the NFL where couldn't complete a pass, and when, when he did, it was to the wrong team. But he's emerged as one of the five best quarterbacks in football. To have him as the 13th best player in the NFL, to me, is just absolutely lunacy. But Brady, again, not the best quarterback, and he's not the best player in football. He's, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. If we're doing all-time rankings, Brady's number one, but... Best quarterback in the NFL, best player in the NFL right now? No. Rodgers, I, I don't believe, is 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 behind Aaron Donald, but two and three, splitting hairs there. On what planet are seven players better than, than Patrick Mahomes? On what planet? And you're going to tell me there are 12 guys in football better than Josh Allen? Can't do it. Speaking of uh, ranking, so the NFL top 100, projections for the 2022 season the chargers have the most players represented they've got top they've got eight players in the top 100 so you go through the 32 teams on this list 27 franchises are on this list with the exception of five the jags the lions the pats and you guessed it the Jets and the Giants. The Jets and Giants are two of five teams without any representation on the NFL's top 100 uh, projected players for the 2022 season. <laughs> so I told you earlier on the preseason rankings, they're 28th and 30th respectively. So no one's expecting them to be good this year, at least according to those rankings. And then as as far as the, the, the players are, are concerned, projections for this year, top 100, no Jets and Giants are on, on the list. No Jets and Giants. So, I mean, basically we're staring at another lackluster, atrocious football season for our football teams, which we, we hope is not the case. We hope is not the case. But speaking of the NFL, just going around the league a little bit, I, I'm really looking forward to, as I mentioned earlier, Lamar Jackson in the contract season. Is he going to hit the open market? Is there a world that exists that sees Lamar Jackson hitting the open market? It sounds bizarre, but he doesn't have a contract right now. Now, the Ravens are a very well-run organization. There is, I mean, no secret that we're, we're talking about one of the model franchises in all of football. And, and they do things, quote-unquote, the right way. They understand talent evaluation as good as anyone, which is why, you know, they took Lamar Jackson uh, where they did. And eventually he took over for Joe Flacco and won a Super Bowl for them. But this contract situation with Lamar, I, I'm, they, they can't let him test free eight. They can't let him hit the open market. That's, that just can't happen, right? Like, we're, we're going to get breaking news during the season that Lamar inked a long-term lucrative extension, and I get people are going to tell me, well, his playoff resume, this and that. Listen, Lamar's one of the best quarterbacks in football. Does he have his shortcomings? Yes. 
Does he need to become a more complete passer? Absolutely. Specifically because in the biggest moments, in the playoffs, when when teams get more time to, to just hone in on you and it's the, the, the do-or-die situation that is the NFL playoffs and he needs to make big throw after big throw and the, you're not able to elude the pocket as easily as you did in the regular season against you know inferior defenses. The, the competition heightens. The moments become bigger. He needs to, to show that he can be a clutch uh, performer in those big moments, just like you know Patrick Mahomes has, just like Brady has, you know, just like Matt Stafford did this past uh, playoff run for the Rams. Like he he has to be able to put together successive drives that don't just involve him running, but you know, completing passes in tight windows and, and making those crunch time throws. Yes, does that does the, do those things need to happen? Absolutely. But he deserves his money. You look at all the other quarterbacks getting their money. Kyler Murray just got paid. Deshaun Watson just got, you know, a guaranteed two hundred plus million dollars guaranteed. Lamar Jackson, yeah, yeah, he should be paid. He should absolutely be paid. Other NFL notes: Jimmy Garoppolo, Schefter reported earlier, and the Niners agreed to a restructured one-year contract that's worth $6.5 million in fully guaranteed base salary. The new-look deal contains another total of 500000 in roster bonuses and playtime bonuses that could boost to nearly $9 million for a total of $16 million overall. So a lot of uh, money to play with there. But he is going to be tied to San Francisco for this season and then get the option to walk after the conclusion of the year. And it's funny because the day after Zach Wilson got hurt in that preseason game against the Eagles, I was in for Dave the very next morning. And I was flirting with the conversation about if the injury is long-term for Zach, if he's out for the season, which it looked like he would be, should they entertain trade conversations with the Niners about Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, fortunately for us, that never materialized because Zach is expected to come back sooner rather than later. But Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, now tied to San Francisco for the season, just couldn't find any suitors. All he's done with the Niners is win. I mean, he's gotten them to a Super Bowl. He was a couple of plays away from getting back there last season and can't find any suitors for him. But I keep hearing... Well, this is good for the Niners because it's it's insurance for Trey Lance, which makes sense if we're talking strictly about injuries because Jimmy G has proven, especially during the regular season, you need a quarterback that can win games with Kyle Shanahan and, and that San Francisco offense. Jimmy G can get it done. He can game manage you into winning games at a high clip. But... As far as him being insurance, that can't be performance-related because if you're the Niners, there's no chance that if Trey Lance struggles this year, struggles this year, you can go back to Jimmy G. You, you've closed the chapter on that. You traded up to get Trey Lance. All signs pointed to a Jimmy G exit. You just couldn't find a suitor. Now you've given Trey Lance the reins, and you've got to be able to mold this guy 
into uh, at least a, a good quarterback this season because there, here's a window. Like, this isn't, you know, building for the future. This is similar to and even better than Patrick Mahomes when he came into the Chiefs situation because th- those were playoff teams with Alex Smith. Alex Smith hadn't gotten a, that team to a Super Bowl. Jimmy G has gotten this team to a Super Bowl. Jimmy G has gotten this team to an NFC Championship game just last season. So Trey Lance is expected to come in here and 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 do work quickly, and he can do that. But if you know he starts to struggle a little bit, it's not like you can go back to Jimmy G. How how is that helping in his quarterback development? Benching him, we we saw that with with, with the Dolphins benching Tua, and, and I get Brian Flores was was never high on Tua to begin with, but signs of trouble. And you know you you stash your quarterback on the bench because the moment's too big for him. I, I just don't think that that goes a long way in helping the progression of a young quarterback. Where it's not just about the physical mechanics; it's also about you know the mental fragility that comes with being the starting quarterback of an NFL team. So it is a, an in, an interesting situation for the Niners to be in with Trey Lance because you've got to see it through with him and build him up to be your quarterback to see if he's the answer, and you hope he is. But you're also, you have an open championship window because that's a a, a very talented team. A lot of weapons on offense, stout defense. So he's coming into a situation where he can win right away. But now he's got Jimmy G hovering over him because, um, you know, that the Niners have restructured his contract. And any signs of trouble fan base might be clamoring for Jimmy G to come back, which I don't think presents a healthy situation uh, for Trey Lance. But maybe it won't come to that. Maybe he'll light the world on fire and they'll be back in the NFC Championship game. We'll see. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN.